Welcome to Parenting Vanessa Cologne. Okay, let's talk about, I don't know, a lot of different things, <laughs> I guess. So here's the deal with me. We, I have a school, which is called KFS School. It's for kids with, like, behavioral and learning challenges. And when I say behavioral, you know, it's really the kid that's struggling in a classroom of, I don't know, 15 to 20 kids that they act out and it's almost to avoid because, you know, maybe a teacher is doing a writing assignment or they're having them do something and then they just don't know how to do it. So what they do is then they act out to get out of it, right? So a lot of times kids have these behaviors. So I don't want to, when I say behavioral, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, they have behavioral issues, but it's not like the behavioral issues that you're thinking of like, oh, you know, because a lot of times parents will call me, well, you know, can you tell me like what's happening in your school? And I'm like, get over it. I'm not telling you shit. <laughs> like I'm not because my kids are amazing. Like to me, I got to be honest with you. We get kids from different backgrounds and different schools and maybe kicked out a bunch of schools. But like once they come into an environment, again, you've seen different podcasts about this. They're different kids. But what I want to focus on right now is that I'm seeing, which I'm actually very, very grateful for. We've had two new kids start at my school this week. I've had, I don't know, four different emails for social coaches, which, which I provide individuals to go and I train on how to like help sort children in the classroom. So here's the key thing about this. <clears throat> I see a lot of people talk about dyslexia, different learning channel, apraxia. You're looking at, you know, different things and they're working with all these kids of like all their needs. And this is awesome that, you know, we know how to get these needs met, but we're forgetting one thing. And this is so important. How does a child feel about themselves? And you're probably like, what? What does that mean? I go, so by the time a parent calls me, the child is already feeling low. They already have a low self-esteem. They also don't want people to know that they're struggling. People, I just got a a call for a nine-year-old for a shadow at a school. And I'm kind of like, okay, well, we have to really think about this because it might mean that I'm in the school for a week or someone on my team is in the school for a week, but we don't even talk to your kid. We have to be a teacher within the classroom because the child already feels like there's, they're, they're struggling. And by, and a lot of times, let's be honest, a lot of times, you know, you don't know if there's a learning difference, you don't know what's going on, but the kid knows that something's off. And that's the thing that we're missing. The child always knows the truth. And when the child always knows that they're struggling and they don't know how to say it and they don't articulate it. And I've talked about this in the past where like adults don't even know how to express themselves. Like, let's be honest, we don't. <laughs> it's hard. Relationships are difficult. There's breakups left and right. Divorce rates high. Because we haven't learned the right communication or like what is our love language or what do we need and how do we get our needs met and how do we work in a relationship and those things are also complicated, you know. And imagine a child that has a learning difference that sees things differently and does it and it's almost like, well, I don't want to be different from my peers, So you're looking at like some mental health stuff that's going to happen because their self-esteem starts to drop, things start to go, the grades start to go. Now let's think about this. As we keep, the child keeps going in education, in school, you know, we're passing everybody, we're doing things, we're trying to give some support. The gap gets bigger. And I always tell parents when they come to KFS is that we have to assess where the child is and see where the gaps are because most likely during the time of those behavior outbursts, they've had missing assignments, missing work. Most schools go from like, well, every school does this. They go from like, you know, eight to eight fifty is this, this time to this time is this time. You know, at my school, it's more, it's like, okay, yeah, we, we have the subject, but it's done when everyone's done. Right. So for example, if someone's really good at math and once they're done, they can go do social games or work on social skills. 
Now, the person that's avoiding math, you're not going to avoid math because you're going to get through it. If you're going to have a huge mess of behavior, well, when you're done with your behavior, we're going to come back to it. You know, and that that's the difference. There's not these huge transitions. There's not this big thing that's happening where the kid shuts down. Now, in a class of 20, and you have a child that's safe with dyslexia. Well, let's just talk about, like, my experience, right? I, I had keys to a teacher's car to go get them lunch during certain times of the day. Like, let's just, that was my personality. I mean, listen, I could talk my way to anything. And I've talked about this in the past. Like, my social, emotional piece on, like, building relationships is really high. But when it comes to, like, reading, like, I hate reading. Like, if you're going to say, Vanessa, read a paragraph in front of everybody, I'm going to have a panic attack. I'm sweating. You know, for example, on the high high holidays, they go around and they're like, okay, one person reads, right? So each paragraph. So if I'm number eight, I'm going to go, I'm not looking, I'm not paying attention to the prayers. I'm paying attention to like, okay, what is the eighth prayer on this sheet, the eighth paragraph? So I know what I'm going to have to read. So I have to practice it beforehand. And if there's a hard word, I'm in so much trouble, right? Because the English language is difficult as it is. Now, the point of this, what I'm saying is this, that like you can do all the accommodations you want, but if you don't include the child in this discussion and how they're feeling and the strategies and how you're going to do it, it's going to fail no matter what. And I've seen this over and over again, right? A child that feels like, oh my, why, why am I different? Why do I, why is it harder for me to understand this? Why does my friend never study, never turn in homework, but can ace a test? Why is it that I don't know, like I need extra help and someone else doesn't always, the grass is always greener on that. Like that's just the American way. The grass is always green on some other way, right? Like, let's just be honest. But really it comes down to, you know, how you feel about yourself and kids with learning differences when they're not diagnosed and they're, they're going unseen or, or that it, it's almost like they, they start to doubt themselves. So how are we helping children with all these learning differences understand that, yes, you have this, but how do we make it acceptable in the classroom? How do we make it acceptable to everyone else? You know, some, some of my kids in my school have like fidget. Well, I'm not a fidget person. I've I've said this in the past and you can look at other podcasts around that, but when they talk about like how they process information or maybe someone has more of a temper or maybe someone doesn't understand, you know, certain social cues or questions being asked. And that's what it comes down to. And like, how do you teach the entire classroom to, like how to be different and every brain is different how we do things not everyone learns the same way and i feel like that as that as with the pandemic we're moving into a different direction of like smaller class sizes which is like finally cuz like 20 to 30 kids is ridiculous well, maybe 20 is okay, but depending on like if all your kids can like follow directions, but my kids don't. But also you have kids with executive functioning issues, which is like being able to follow a plan, multiple steps, right? So if you're saying a kid, go get a piece of paper, a pencil, and a black crayon, and then draw this, and then you're going to put your paper in the all done box, that's five steps right there. I don't think people realize how much we expect of children when it comes to following directions, And so right now what's happening is that I am so grateful that normally I'm busy in January. I've said this before. I am slammed with just going into classrooms and figuring out, but I got really young kids. We're talking about like four and five year olds that, you know, are going through their own thing and they don't understand how to read social situations. And my dog is like hitting the bull because she's getting older and she just thinks I'm going to feed her again and I'm not going to do that. So as you hear hitting in the background, it's not me playing a musical instrument. It's my dog, Lola. (laughs) But 
understand that if you have a child that's really struggling behaviorally, there could be a learning difference. There could be a social skills issue. There could be multiple factors that are happening that you're not sure what's going on and how do they articulate it? They can't. (laughs) They don't know because they don't know. All they can see is that they are different from their peers. They just don't know. And I need people to understand that when you're working with these kids, be sensitive. Understand that like the questions you're going to ask, okay, is it, you know, are you having a hard time following directions? Are you having a hard time, you know, making friends? Are you having a hard time entering a group? Are you having a hard time reading? Are you having a hard time? Like is spelling really difficult? And, and there's so like, if spelling's really difficult and it becomes time to spell, are you like being, you know, a little, you know, do acting out and showing off because you want to avoid that because you know, between 10 and 10, 20 is spelling at 10, 20 is going to go to math. Every teacher is going to move into the next subject. You're not going to wait for the kid. So then the kid misses out. So after so many times they have this condition to learn to get out of learning they, they start to teach themselves that they don't have to do it. And that is the biggest key when it comes to kids with learning differences and behaviors start to increase. And then all of a sudden like, oh, this kid doesn't understand and he's having his behaviors, but I'm like, okay, hello, let's look at, is it the same time of day? Are we looking at the same subject? Are we looking at, you know, um, are they not feeling safe? Cause you know, when we were, when I was in school, they would be like, okay, we do this game. Everyone stand up and we're going to do a spelling. If you can't spell the word, you're going to sit down. I sat down every time. I can't spell worth anything. We're shit. I can't. I can't do it. And I don't try to do it. You know, I used to date people Well, back in the day when, you know, I was a little bit more serious about dating. Now I'm just kind of more, I like my kids better than, you know, most people. Um, they would be, you know, well, I can't read a map. And this came up again when I was traveling in Vietnam. And, and you know what? Something changed, shifted in this story that I have. So when I bought my ticket to go to Vietnam, the daughter of the person I was going with was like, oh, you like, you need help with this and what? Like I go, yeah, just double check everything. And she did because I'm like, I don't need to spend thousands of dollars to redo my ticket, but I needed to spend it like three times because my fucked up my visa. Excuse my language. I apologize. I don't know cuss my podcast. And, um, she got it. Like, and so we were traveling and she, and she was seeing like a couple things that would happen that I would really struggle with a little bit. Cause I was just not sure. And it was so sweet. So she sends me this thing and this is where we're going. And I'm starting to, and I asked the, the hotel, I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Like I was like, I am going to go to where she wants me to go because the guy that said, he's like, okay, I'm drawing it in my head. Like, this is where I'm going to go this map, right. Of like how I'm going to meet her because she showed me what to do. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to mess up. I'm going to be really proud of myself. I mean, I'm out of the pressure. So then I turn, make a right and we go right. And there's a barricade. <laughs> I go, what? I wasn't expecting a barricade. You're supposed to walk. And I also know those weird people. I don't follow a lot of rules, but I follow rules when it comes to streets. Right. So if, if, if it says walk, then you walk. I, I'm not one to jaywalk because I work with all these kids and I have to teach it. So I've kind of followed these rules and there's this barricade. And so I sat there and I got, then I started to like get super anxious going, how do I get through the barricade? And then I watched a couple walk in front of me. They just kind of went through it because like cars can't go through, but you can walk it of course. But I got stuck on the fact that there's this barricade right here. And I'm like, I can't go in. I'm not allowed to go. That's the rule. I don't know how to find her again. I didn't know what to do. So, um, where I'm texting her and then I send my, I sent her my location, which I thought I sent her my location. No, I sent her my home address because <laughs> I don't know phones either. I mean, it's just like one of those things where I'm kind of like, this is the amount of processing just as a normal Lola stop. 
Sorry, but my dog is, it's my, my neighbor's going to kill me. Um, the amount of processing just to go from point A to point B. And so after my little panic attack there and I sent her my home location, you know, that she's already feeling I'm stressed. She goes, stop what you're doing. And she goes, send me a picture where you're at. And I said, okay, I'm going to send a picture. And she goes, stay there. And she sends her boyfriend out to come find me. She's like, do not move. And he came and got me. It was never discussed. It wasn't talked about that. Like I'm a complete moron sometimes when it comes to this stuff, but I know I am. My brain just doesn't work in that way. It's extremely difficult for me to find, you know, a map and figure out where I'm supposed to go on the map, where I'm supposed to go. And then if it says right, I think I go left and I just, it's just hard. Okay. So now I am what? 44 years old. I'm not five. This is, I'm the same brain as a five-year-old at times, you know, well, I was five at one point is what I'm trying to say. And things are hard and the pressure and to do things. And then it's almost like, you're like, Oh, I have all these accommodations to help. I don't want those damn accommodations. Cause I'm gonna look different. <laughs> You know, you, I, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we step into a child's way of thinking? And when you're looking at a child with differences and you're like, I got this plan and I've talked to parents recently cause they're all going through it. Like, well, we set the kid up for success and we've done everything. Why is it not working? You know why it's not working? They don't feel good about themselves. They don't want that plan. So come up with a plan with the child, include the child in what makes sense. And like, what is going to help them understand the culture in the classroom, understand the dynamics, understand what else is going on, right? Because when a child starts to stand out that they're different or they need extra help, that's when you see the self-esteem drop. That's when you see everything else. It's not the learning issue. It's, you know, how we approach it. How do we work through it? How do we process all of this is what's going to get the child to be more successful and to feel good about themselves. You know, for me, I got diagnosed at 26. I mean, I don't even know what I, like, honestly, I have have no idea how I got through school, to be honest. Um, And look at me now, like, I have multiple books. I'm doing a bunch of great things. Well, I think they're kind of great, but, you know, you you just never know how your help could go in a negative direction. And if you're not looking at the whole child and the whole picture and what's going on, you gotta be careful. Cause that stays with you. You know, my biggest thing is this. It's funny to me. Like everyone's like, oh, you like being the center of attention. Actually, I don't. I'm that person. If I'm walking to a classroom, I'm in the back of the room. I am nowhere near anybody. I don't want to talk, but I have this ridiculous moral compass where it's like, there's a, there is like a right and a wrong in my eyes and there's a right and wrong how we do things. And if a child's not feeling well, there's a way to fix it. And that's kind of how, where I come from. And you know, how you treat people is really important to me, how you show up and how your words matter and what you say, what you mean. I mean, what you say is super important. That's my biggest thing. And that's where the trust with my kids build. I am not one that's going to sit there and say, I can like teach X, Y, and Z and be this amazing academic professor and do all this. That's not me. My thing is I can be kind. I can teach that. I can teach you how to understand how you function and how your brain works and like how you can process information and ways to help. But at the end of the day, 
you know, it comes down to the child. It's not like this reward system, like, oh, I did this, so I get this. It's like, well, how do you feel about your actions and what you've done? It's all about social emotional learning. It's all about understanding that, like, at the end of the day, you're like not the most important important person in the world. You're not like this world is filled with a lot of people and you know, everyone puts their pants on the same way. And I teach that to my kids and I know it sounds kind of harsh, but the minute my kids think that they're super important is the minute that I, I did, I failed because no one is, you know, it's like, how do you give back? How do you do it? You're a part of a community. You're part of something and everyone is special. Yes. In their own way, but we're not better than anyone else. We are not a different piece. And so for me, when I see kids struggling and other kids not, it's like that my kids struggling is the same as the person that's doing really well. It's just how they process a little differently and they might work a little differently. Things are different, but how do we teach that to the child that it's okay and that they are going to learn differently and this is how they learn. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But this is the key thing of understanding that as we're getting into the school year, parent-teacher conferences are coming up, a child's struggling. You've got to start looking at the whole picture of the child. It's like, how are they processing the information? Is it too many steps you're being asked? Do we have a language issue? Is there, you know, maybe a little bit of dyslexia? Is there, you know, apraxia? I mean, there's just so many things that you can look at, but understand that like a, a child's having a behavior in the classroom is because they're struggling inside of like, of who they are and they don't want other people to know. So it's easier to act out to get out of the classroom so nobody sees who they are. And that's our job as educators to be like, ah, I got what you're doing. I get it. You're not leaving the classroom. We're going to figure this out together. But again, it's working together. It's not telling them, hey, we have these accommodations and we can do X, Y, and Z and we can do all these things. No, it's like, well, what do you think about this? Is that going to work? And if that works, should we do it at this time or this time? Again, it's like opening the conversation where the, the child feels empowered and in control and then they don't feel like less than. Because that's a shitty feeling. I'm going to be honest. I think I spent most of my life like that in elementary school of just feeling like, oh, wow, everyone is. And honestly, my best friend through, you know, high school, <laughs> junior high and high school, she was like athlete of the year, homecoming queen. And, you know, I remember she asked me to be her maid of honor. And why did I get that? I got that because I understood who she was. I never played a sport in her life. I never played a sport in my life. I was friends with other people. I wasn't anything, but I had a very special connection with this woman and when she told me she was getting married, I was like so happy for her where other friends were like, what? And her wedding day was to me horrific. And it was all of her like friends that were like, well, why is Vanessa the maid of honor? And she didn't play any sports. You don't know. It was, it was an emotional connection. We had an emotional, it wasn't like we're playing sports together and we've been friends for like 20 years and that it was, it was very different. And I got to tell you that wedding you know, they all got ready before she did. They all walked out. I mean, it was, I don't know, very selfish on many levels. And I understand afterwards why I was a maid of honor. <laughs> but, um, you know, I wasn't part of that crowd. I've never have been. But she never saw me as that. And she's my best friend to this day and is my biggest supporter. And it, and I'll never forget one time she had me go to a soccer game. Always so sweet. Lola always so sweet and kind. And when she was playing soccer, oh my God, I don't even know what happened. I'll never forget. She, there was something happened and someone person was falling and she just knocked this woman out. And I remember going, huh? <laughs> and like, I was like, oh, she scared the crap out of me. I was like, she's that aggressive. 
you know, fast forward a year later, I had a friend who was Lola. It's so late. Sorry. I I have to get her to stop. And, um, I had a friend that was taking advantage of me and I'm being like myself. And she always said, you're too nice. I can't do it. And like the only time she ever got in trouble with school is that she had a fight with my friend for being mean to me. (laughs) I go, day, you can't like do this. (laughs) Like, and I remember going, Oh, she's like, you just, you have to stop. Like you have to like, you just can't be nice. <laughs> you get walked on. And it's true. I've gotten better and I have I have very strong boundaries now. I've had to learn. I gotta tell you, I had to learn. I said, but the reason why I have a school and why I do what I do is because I do have a soft heart and the fact that like I can't see anyone struggling or hurting. Because the minute I see that, then I'm like, okay, how are we gonna fix this? <laughs> That's my personality. Because I also know what it's like to, as that child, and I never want that to go through. And that's also why at my school I push academics so hard with the kids, plus the social emotional learning. Because when they leave me, I want to make sure when they go to another school and they're going in as a second grader or a third grader that their academic skills are on ta- uh, are on par. Because then they only have to worry about the social emotional piece. Because if you have to do both, you're you're not you're not living life as a child. And my dog, I should probably go to bed. I think she's telling me it's time to go to bed. I'm way past my bedtime. All right. Enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions, we will be back soon. Bye.